The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. So in the wake of those two deadly plane crashes last October and uh, this past March, we're hearing that Boeing has made changes to its uh, 737 MAX airliner and conducted more than 130 test flights to show that problems have been fixed. But fixed they may be. How do you get passengers back on board? Joining us this afternoon is Gabor Lukacs, the founder of the organization Air Passenger Rides. Gabor, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for inviting me. So once, uh, I'm curious to know about uh, what you're hearing about where this process is. We know only as much as you know. Yeah. Uh, we don't have any additional information. Although what I read recently is a different approach to the whole issue from an engineering and software design perspective, which um, explains, according to that author, that some of the problems with the 737 MAX are problems related to the design. Mm-hmm. That the airframe was not meant to use to accommodate such a large engine. Hmm. And various engineering aspects that larger engine means in terms of what happens when, when the, the, basically the 737 MAX uh, 8 has a tendency to pitch up because of its bigger engine and the engine location. And they install this stall prevention system to deal with that. Mm-hmm. The other aspect, which, which is which is a less engineering and perhaps more approachable for uh, the listeners, is the approval process. Yes. What happened in the U.S. was that in order to save costs, to be able to put aircraft to the market faster, they moved the uh, approval process from an independent state-run regulator, the FAA, to the manufacturer. So some of the manufacturer can sign off that this is safe. So I understand now, though, that it will be back in the FAA's uh, hand uh, to sign off for final approval when, um, you know, the, the big stamp is given that these things that uh, the company and, and that uh, the FAA believes that they're, they're fly-worthy again. I certainly wouldn't want to be the person signing off on, on that. Um, I'm sure you wouldn't be either. And I think the next thing, and one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you today, is about trying to get people back on board those planes. Um, when you when you when you look at that um, and you're hearing that people are saying uh-uh like there's you know they do polls on it and the majority of people are saying I don't want to get back on this do you think that is uh, is the true feeling out there or and and how quickly will that change it's very difficult to know what true feeling is other than when you poll people you can look at the poll and you can ask yourself was there any uh, inadvertent bias in the poll, just sam- for example, sampling bias, self-selecting bias. You know, when 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 you live next to a cemetery, it looks like a, a, there's a <laughs> epidemics in the town. So um, the the question is, uh, how the people who filled out the the survey were selected? It was really a random sample. Assuming it was, uh, it's pl- quite plausible that people are so concerned. Uh, I would say that. My concern as an air passenger advocate is not what the perception is of what the facts are, what the truth is, what are what is the data, mm-hmm. uh, what information do we have. Um, what we know so far, and this is of course not a final conclusion, but what it appears to be is that that the, letting the industry, any kind of industry, regulate itself yeah. is a recipe for disaster. In some cases, it is only a financial disaster, like what is happening now in Canada with respect to air passenger rights with proposed regulations that effectively let the airlines 
uh, regulate themselves and police themselves. Well, in, in this case, when we're talking about safety, it resulted in actual loss of life. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the takeaway, the first takeaway from this is that no industry, with a, even those with the best of the intentions, can be left to police itself to regulate itself. There is a need for independent, genuinely independent third party that represents the public interest that ensures that the uh, products are safe, that they're, they're the uh, players, that the manufacturers, the service providers comply with the law. Yes. That, that is a takeaway. Other than that, um, I would love to see a more detailed analysis as to how this breakdown happened in the approval process and what mechanisms are there now to prevent such a similar breakdown in the future, foreseeable future. Uh, what you have to bear in mind is that um, the FAA itself, although it's independent, you want to ask yourself how cozy they are with uh, the airlines and, the, and with the uh, uh, manufacturers that they regulate. I can tell you in Canada, the Canadian Transportation Agency is very cozy with airlines. About the U.S., I don't have concrete data and I'm not an expert in that area, but those are questions on which I would want to hear answers. From a Canadian perspective, the question number one is, once the FAA approves the aircraft, I would like to see Canadian safety experts, for example, the TSB, to examine the aircraft independently of the FAA. Because what this saga also showed us that at the moment we cannot trust the U.S. stamp of approval to be sure that the aircraft is actually going to be safe. Um, so, yeah, how how optimistic are you that something like that would happen? That uh, that the the Canadians, the NTSB, um, would would uh, would look at it at their own. Uh, on their own and stamp it or is that something that as an advocate for passengers that you'd be pushing for it's something that i would hope that the public is going to push for and i certainly want to encourage the public to to very closely look at that i, I would want to uh, the transport minister to have the safety of his aircraft studied independently of the u.s before his baggage service in canada Gabor Lukacs uh, joining us this afternoon. He, of course, he's the founder and coordinator of uh, the website Air Passenger Rights. He's an advocate for all of you that that fly. Um, will you get back on one of those planes, Gabor? It depends when. It depends based on what data. Mm. Um, yeah. I'm. I always like to go after scientific evidence. Yeah. Before those aircrafts were grounded. Uh, my position was that I would get it, although I may not want my spouse to be on it. <laughs> um, because because for, for myself, I, I, until there was evidence that there was a risk, I thought that, that we have to go based on the data that we have, not based on speculations. Now the best data that we have is that those aircraft are not safe. So until there is clear convincing evidence to the contrary, coming from a source that we can rely on, and I would be inclined to even question FAA because of the history, um, then I will be the first person to board. Gabor, are you are you willing to speculate at all on what uh, you know the companies in Canada, Air Canada and WestJet, who both have uh, those uh, Boeing Max seven thirty sevens in their in their uh, in their in their um, in their stable? Um, what they'll have to do to you know maybe on a marketing side to try and gain back the passengers trust i mean there's 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 all sorts of things about getting the paperwork out and taking a look at it and reading it 
all over. Um, but I suspect we'll see a big push from from those airlines as well as Boeing itself um, to to try to get uh, that that trust back. I anticipate and I fear that what is going to happen is at some point they're going to declare this aircraft safe and they will just start using it again, period. Mm. And while people have, may have negative feelings, the airlines are going to say, well, this is your flight. Take yeah. it or leave it. Use it or not. Uh, yeah. which, is, which is not good in, in many ways. It, it, it is going to cause lots of tension. Having said that, from a strict legal perspective, if the aircraft is declared safe by the competent Canadian authority, then passengers legally don't have the right to say, well, I don't think actually this is safe, okay. so I'm going to ask for a refund on that basis. No, if you have a non-refundable ticket, then you are stuck with it. That was also part of the problem from the, to begin with, that even though passengers were uncomfortable with, with the flight, they were forced flying on those uh, planes. How, how, so, uh, sorry. I don't anticipate the airlines to be making much effort to regain the public trust, although I hope I'm going to be proven wrong on this. Interesting. Um, you know, in, when those planes were all grounded uh, back in March, what did you see? And again, I know, you know, here a lot of, a lot of um, you know, uh, passengers, their, their flights were bumped, things were moved, and uh, I suspect that you ended up dealing with, uh, with a, a lot of complaints and a lot of issues during that time. What, I, what I'm seeing, and I'm still seeing it now, even more than a month after grounding of the planes, is that airlines use the 737 MAX 8 issue as a card blanche, as a kind of joke or excuse not to pay compensation to mm. people from planes. Uh, and uh, just recently I saw a case where uh, passengers' uh, flights were cancelled for clearly commercial reasons. It was a direct flight from uh, Halifax to Boston. And uh, the airline was still somehow blaming 737 MAX 8. Those type of actions should carry significant penalties. The problem is that the Canadian regulator, the Canadian Transportation Agency, is not cracking down on airlines that defraud the public this way. So um, whenever any passenger here is told, oh, we had this fact is later canceled because of the 737 MAX 8, especially when they hear it now in the end of October, of April, or in May, they should be very suspicious about this because airlines will do anything and everything to try to avoid paying compensation. Um, where are we with this? Uh, the, uh, just changing gears uh, completely here, Gabor. I hope you don't mind. But just wondering where we are with the, uh, the Passenger Bill of Rights. Uh, the government appears to be determined to claw back on the rights of passengers and harm the Canadian public about it, unfortunately. Um, there was an in first uh, proposal in uh, December that was published. Uh, we filed a 52-page report on all shortcomings and how it is harming Canadian travelers. We have not heard back from the government on that, but based on the messaging we see on Twitter, we expect and anticipate that they are going to just proceed with pretty much the same regulations and we are concerned and fear that nothing is going to significantly change. Mm. Although we're not surprised because we have been saying from day one that those regulations have been written by and yeah. for the airlines. Yeah, yeah, I remember interviewing you when it, the the word of that first came out, and I thought you would be in support of it. And you were like, "No, it's not doing anything to help to help passengers. It's just helping the airlines." Uh, Galbert, it's always always great to talk with you. And for all of you listening, if you want to check out the website airpassengerrights.ca, great information on there from you you name it, baggage, boarding, uh, all sorts of stuff. You can check it out there. Thank you so much, Gabor. 
Thank you very much for having me. Take care now. That's uh, Gabor Lukacs uh, from Air Passenger Rights. So again, uh, Gabor saying that he he wouldn't be surprised just to see. Um, you know, the airlines start using these again when they get the stamp of approval and they come out of the hangar, not the stable. Yeah, sorry, brain cramp on that one, the, the hangar. Um, but, you know, talking uh, about what uh, what needs to be done, um, there's there's been some comment from Boeing saying that they realize that they will have to, that they will have to do everything to earn and re-earn that trust and confidence from every airline customer and the fly, flying public in the weeks and months ahead. And uh, some folks saying that, you know, they're not just going to have to speak with the airlines, but directly to passengers. And uh, that is something that, um, you know, the company itself, Boeing, uh, doesn't necessarily do. That's kind of left to the, uh, the airline. So We'll see what happens on that front. So just following up on that last topic, um, apparently the software uh, that uh, Max, MCAS, um, that safety system um, has been changed and Boeing said just recently that it's making steady progress on the path to final certification of the update. A new training regimen, regimen, <laughs> regime uh, is uh, is ready for pilots and they're saying that the 737 max could be given the green light to fly passengers sometimes in the summer um, and again a number of people saying that they're going to really have to um, woo you back and I'm wondering about that. Some of you texting in this afternoon saying nope I'll fly it again no problem and others saying uh no, I'm not getting on there. Your texts, uh, airlines will offer them. Some people will decline and take other flights. Most won't because of the needed time for their travel. In very short order, they'll be back in regular service. And that's what, you know, Gabor was suggesting uh, could very well happen. And, uh, you know, when you think about it more and more, it's like, yeah, okay, I need to get to this place or I want to go to this place. And that's what's flying there. So do I go or don't I go? What are you going to do? Uh, crappy phones are pushed out fast too, like planes, and the public becomes like an unpaid ba- uh, beta lab test. Planes, though, is a dice roll, <laughs> I'll say. Uh, the pressure to record profits annual, annually increased over the previous years, uh, escalated in a society of carelessness and fast-tracking things. Planes, like video games, full of glitches and bugs too, just put out in the market. Games, though, get patch updates and don't kill people. But it's all the same when you're just looking at trying to sell stuff. And this one said, yeah, Jay, I would fly in a Boeing 737 MAX. The thing for me, says this texter, isn't so much what happens with the MAX 8 itself. I'm more concerned about how this type of administrative failure is prevented moving forward. And then this one as well. The biggest issue for me moving forward is that all airlines and software should not rely on a single sensor. There needs to be multiple sensors with checks and balances.